Hey, everybody. We're at another Carnival of Random Zoom with our Zoom group, Pat. Hey. And we may have a surprise guest popping in, but right now returning is Chaz Lockwood. Hey, Chaz. Say hi, Chaz. Say hi, Charles. Hey, I'm happy to be back. And uh, I just got I'm just happy watching this show snowball out of control with more and more uh, VIP guests. Oh, and wait for some of the, <laughs> so, the antics we have, especially at Zooms. And welcoming, finally, we're so glad to have Stan Merrill. Hi, Stan. Well, hello there, gentlemen. And I, I use that word loosely. Yes, very, <laughs> very loosely. I'm actually going to start a different way now. People don't think I read your mail that comes in, but I got, I don't know who this guy is. I got one from some guy, Mike Murray, and he wanted to ask you this question about, do you say anything about the appearance of Cousin L on the Brian Bram show? Ah, uh, the Brian Bram show. You know, we, we actually hung out with Brian Bram about a few years ago. And so supposedly the tape exists in the Brian Bram archives in Boston, Massachusetts. So we were in town, uh, seeing Iggy, Iggy Pop and, uh, you know, and Brian Bram's office is right around the corner from the venue. So Brian Bram, you know, we, that was a lot of fun. I remember oh, hauling was- all the equipment in with cousin Al and <laughs> do you remember the WEZO DJ that we really torqued off. <laughs> He got really mad at us because we were tying up the elevator. So. Yeah, yeah. Well, the Brian Bram show, that was when Stan was the manager of, of Cousin Al and the Relatives. And he was like, hey, boys, you're going on TV next Saturday night. Uh, with Brian Bram, he was like a cool guy. He would do uh, science fiction horror movies, and then he'd have bands on. The other great one he had on was, um, uh, help me out, Stan. I saw Bobby sobbing in the lobby. Who are those guys? The D-Grads. D-Grads. A bunch of really squirrely uh, Rochester New Wave bands. Uh, great snapshot from uh, time. Yeah, we there. we actually have video um, of New Math. Uh, no, that was the After Hours. Not, I don't know that was uh, Brian Bram. We actually have video, though, personal effects on, on Brian Bram's show. And he, and he was also um, I, uh, a good friend's... <laughs> remember, the, remember the cowboy... The cowboy host, what was his name, what was his name on uh, Channel 31? Ranger, Ranger Bob. Bob. Ranger Bob. Hey, Ranger Bob. Yeah. <laughs> hey, hey, Ranger Bob there. Hey, hey, doing there, kiddo. Oh, my God. That's a, yeah. yeah. Hey, can I can I impersonate a kid uh, guest on the Brian Bram show over the phone sure. already? Sure. Pow, 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 pow. Oh no no! Pow, that, pow, 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 pow. Or it would be yeah, picks on the, uh, Channel Eleven. Oh, would yeah, be picks. yeah, that was that was WPIX. WPIX. Yeah, yeah. it's some kind of weird analog, like fake digital thing where they would uh, they would scream pow into the phone and it would like hit targets or something and then get. Yeah, a they were just playing. They just like had a Commodore sixty four plugged into the yeah. plugged into the board <laughs> and and they would just hit the button whenever somebody said pow and it was yeah. some high tech shit back in the high day. Tech. Low tech. Yeah, oh, yeah. I got when, my uh, when, go on. There was Reed, like, there was Miss Rita's kitty corner too. I gotta say, <laughs> with the lovely Miss Rita. Oh, I don't remember that. Oh, I vaguely remember that, but she was kind of like a like Andrea Martin on Saturday on SCTV, but uh, real anyway. But when COVID started, I actually got an Atari out, and you looked in the day. Wow, now those those graphics suck. <laughs> Yeah, watched uh, Conan O'Brien play uh, ET on the Atari, you know, you know, old old YouTube channel thing. Oh, that was yeah. 
<laughs> that was the game that was the game that like broke video games just so like yeah. almost destroyed the whole industry did you see the documentary <laughs> where they actually dug up found the oh yeah buried them the landfill they where they just threw they just chucked all the cartridges in a landfill it's a question i want to ask and i was thinking about yes we don't do research for this show <laughs> i mean if you ever watched listen to it you know that yeah but how did it all begin how did it all begin for all of you like both of you in terms of music how did you go off the beaten path into the local scene in general well i i will start because um i have a better memory than charles <laughs> so, <laughs> agreed so, so uh you know i had graduated from college in Ohio, you know, I had a degree in English and somebody went up to me and said, so what are you going to do? Teach, right? I said, no, why, why would you ask that? Well, teach? Why did I major in English? So I moved back to Rochester, got a job at the Record Archive, hung out with Rock and Roll Joel, um, got started on WRUR-FM, and uh, around the, you know, shortly after that, Brian Goodman, uh, you know, was talking to Cousin Al, who was actually his cousin, and he said, Hey, he's having a little happy puff, as he always says. Hey, I got an idea. You know, stand the man. Let's make him stand the manager. <laughs> and I was kind of like the Captain Lou Albano for a while of Cousin Allen Relatives. And um, then the first time I met Charles, I looked at him and actually we wrote part of a song right there. And it was uh, called Hey, Cecilia. And it went like this. Hey, Cecilia. Is this what they call necrophilia? And um, we wrote a Hey, we have a special hey, guest here, Susie. Lovely Susie Willpower. Hey. 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 Well, you're sort of there frozen. Hey, Susie. She's just a, got a frozen smile there. Yeah, yeah, I didn't know if that was like, a, she has just like a still or... Uh, is it a still picture there, out. Susie? It is, it is right now. So right yeah, now we might Susie. have another guest. Uh, I see some movement. Blink, Susie. Nothing ever no. uh, this uh, the freaking carnival we had live everything. Yeah, but why that same chance? You remember? Do you remember? Do you remember anything about how you got into music here? Like Stan's origin story? Yeah. So I mean, uh, yeah. I mean, I was in the last show. I was like, you know, guy. And you know, when you're not an ah, when you're not a go. there, you are. Yeah. Oh. Susie, what's up, man? Hey, there, there, there you are. Hey, by remote, by your car, I see you. <laughs> yes, yeah. What's the story guess, behind this? The car and everything. Oh, I was helping Frank and Deb buy a grill. <laughs> oh, there you go. Yep. Did, did hey, they Dad, grill you? you on, did they grill you on what they wanted to buy? Uh-huh. Whoa, but I'm... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, as a matter of fact, we were talking about uh, they have Greaser Fest going on Um mm. Oh, that Greaser Fest over at Photo City Grill. Photo City Music Hall, yep. So, yeah, that's, uh, you know, and Chops' band is staying over with, uh, with the fabulous, that fabulous, uh, oh gosh, why can't I think of his last name for the heckin' life of me? He's not uh, uh, Todd Bradley. Oh, Todd Bradley! Todd the Bod Bradley. Todd the Bod Bradley and... Chops uh, is playing also. Chops, that fantastic ex-Mets manager. Go Mets. Are you in Henrietta? I just saw an advanced auto parts out your window. No, I'm in Ronda Rico. Ronda Boy. 
<laughs> oh, Rhonda, we, well, Chad, how, we were going back to our origin stories about how we got into local music, and Chaz was just going to explain whatever he remembers. So, probably oh, about hey, a man, year. I just, yeah. yeah. Well, we we got to keep this random, so I'm going to answer that really short. So, I was just, uh, you know, you know me, I'm passionate about music, love music. And uh, I was sort of a musical awakening, you know, meeting Stan, getting into the whole new wave thing. And I had my, you know, Hondo, poor, poor kid had Hondo 2 guitar. And uh, when you're not a jock, another way to be cool is to be in a band. So that's much the short answer. Didn't work for me, so, but <laughs> right, <laughs> it didn't work for me. But the thing for me is, people, as you would know, I got into it just because my brother was in new math. So I, that's why I went off the beaten path, because I was in a Catholic suburban school. Well, if you didn't like the they would call the faceless bands with the names like Ario Speedwagon or all those. Mm. You were weird. So, <laughs> so yeah. that was pretty much it. But Stan, did you know what the connection to is? I met Susie because of you. Because she was what? in the room. Yeah, because the Bad Enoughs were playing. It must have been the Bad Enoughs at the hotel and Earl Cram Review was playing. And that's where I met Susie. Yeah. So, uh, rest in peace, Sam. Yes. But so, so we're all connected like that and everything. It's kind of weird. And I met both uh, Stan, I met uh, Chaz, I met you through uh, Lindell. And Dan, I met you at 88.5, your friends on the are, you are. He was my, mm-hmm. I, my intern. And Stan was the guy who taught me everything I needed to know. Yes, and uh, you know, it's like a it's amazing what we remember and what we forget. So, you know, like, uh, yeah, it's just like, it seems like an eon ago. I, I was on there. I was on RUR for about almost six years. And um, it seems like a, it's a blur, you know. Um, I remember some, you know, some fun things that you at RUR. I used to take over any of the extra shifts if I had time. And sometimes, some days I didn't have, you know, I'd be on the air for 12 hours. So that was an interesting time, you know. Pirate radio, as I call it. Like, now you <laughs> well, not really it. pirate radio, of course, because but you know we had. I know, a, but I like the term. It sounds yeah. daring. <laughs> we, had, we had the we had that antenna on one of the buildings on campus, and a lot of people, you know, said that it caused health problems. <laughs> and they moved it. <laughs> so it did cause health problems because it would turn you into a hipster. Uh, <laughs> hey, there you go. Start drinking IPA and wear oh. band T-shirts and listen to college radio. Yeah. <laughs> the oh, best part—the best part of being involved with what we were doing—we we would you know drive the guys around town when they came to play. So you know, drove the Violent Femmes around. Uh, drove, hung out with Pat Denenzio. Oh, oh, oh bless wow, his soul. And uh, when he was he he came awesome. up with the flesh tones one for one of their gigs. This is before Beauty and Sadness came out, and uh, he uh, was the road manager. And so I drove him around. We went went to the record archive, all sorts of places. Uh, so nice guy. Yeah, he actually. And is this true? Maybe you could confirm this. I heard that he roadied for Suzanne Vega for a while. I th- they worked together in yeah, an office. Yeah, I think they were. Yeah, no, office. they were. Yeah, they had. Oh, a they worked like together. a day job okay. together. Yeah, she was an office manager. Because he, she was one of the nicest people I've ever met, and so was Pat. I saw them in Manhattan Square Park, which was like a a reunion because everybody was there that we know. 
and I talked to Pat for a long time. He told us this was when he was doing the if you can guarantee me 50 people, I'll come to your house. Because yeah, oh yeah, no, the living room trip. God, I, I wish to God that I could have had but, the wherewithal to put one of those together, you know. <laughs> Just, but you know, the, Pat was interesting because he also was a self you know um identifying conservative and he actually ran for Senate. Once. What he did, yeah, he did. He, he did. He ran for a Senate seat in New Jersey, and uh, so you know, it was kind of like, well, Pat, you know, like uh, you're a, this is the early days of CPAC, you know, so, uh, so, but you know, he was he was, he was a very uh, he was a pretty moderate, uh, yeah, today's standards, of course, but he was he was very much. Oh come on, today he was very much about you know about, about uh, the he, you know traditional he, values he, and stuff like that, which is you know he would be a you know. Uh, you know, he was a Rockefeller Republican. Yes, yeah, sound. yeah. He was a good guy though. Mm. Like, he he uh, and he uh, they uh, Smithereens came to Lilac Fest uh, one year not too long ago, and it was probably oh, yeah. about a year or two before he passed. And that was just I I am so glad that I went because I'd never got a chance to see them live, and uh, it was great. And I always I, say, who doesn't gone. like the Smithereens? I always would think they are one of those bands that. If you hear them, it wouldn't be okay. Some people might say, my mom like, loves but everybody movies. who hears them, I can't tell you wouldn't like them. Yeah. They were just, you know, the thing that. is, though, they're, uh, they're power pop. That's, yeah. I mean, that's close to my heart. But yeah, uh, we're in our own little, uh, you know, bubble. But I mean, out there, big, the big world, uh, power pop is pre- pretty nerdy, actually. Compared oh, yeah. to you know, like you know, the big stuff. Well, never mind. Like, I was listening to, now. I was listening to Behind the Wall Sleep before I this afternoon and it just pictures a time in my life like hanging around park avenue the kind of people i knew it just had that feel and the way yeah. like his lyrics about call you up to have a drink your roommate was not around and i just think of like my times on park avenue in the local scene and david equesta chairs oh boy <laughs> well, you know there I, I i would love to know hi dave if you're out, if you're ever here we this, never know, know. <laughs> he's one he person really passionate uh, he was a very uh passionate uh, uh cool guy uh just um in love with you know brian wilson i did some weird i did a lot of weird like four track demos with that guy yeah he's somebody who still i've never been able to find him not online i last time i saw him was actually at his wedding over in geneva this was like almost 20 years ago and i just i called his dad one year i would send him christmas cards and he just said he didn't know where he was <laughs> Well, uh, I, I, I will say that it's interesting. I don't know if you guys know this, but the Smithereens are touring with uh, guest vocalists, and one of the guest yep. vocalists is Marshall Crenshaw. Yes. Oh, well, yeah. oh my gosh. Marshall oh. Crenshaw and uh, Robin Wilson from the Gin Blossoms. Oh, yes, oh wow. Too, but, but, yeah. I just I just yeah, saw yeah, Mar- yeah. last time I saw Marshall Crenshaw was with Low Straight Jackets of the House. But last time I last time I saw Marshall Crenshaw. Uh, Dave Edmonds was doing an acoustic tour. Oh, that was it on Montage. At the Montage, yeah. and then Marshall Crenshaw opened up, and then Marshall Crenshaw just sat at the bar outside of the venue and just kind of looking like, you know, like he was not looking very happy. So I'm glad to hear he's you know doing stuff. But I so I remember when that first debut Crenshaw album came out. The you know I would read the reviews in Rolling Stone, and the, you know I would read the critics and I believe them because that's how you get. When you're you're getting your start in being a music appreciator, you you yeah. put your faith in the critics, and they're all giving it five stars. He came to Red Creek, 
I loved the album already, and it was they were a, a trio. It was him, his brother, and a drummer, and uh, that was actually one of the best things I ever saw. It was a nine, they, it was they a, nailed it. It was a ninety-six cent show over over at the it record so archive, over at the Red Creek, and there were probably ten people there, and that was a oh great my show. gosh, it was good. Yeah, but that but was just I, like the record. I remember the Marshall Crenshaw admin show, and this was they had the did you go the early or late show? But he was sitting at the bar. I went up just to talk to him. I was just I didn't want an autograph or anything. I was like Mr. Crenshaw, you know, think he seemed miserable. For yeah, the, he did. For, for whatever reason, <laughs> he, he did not look like he wanted to be there, and he did not look like uh, happy. He looked kind of depressed. But I read I read there was a Everybody Nick Lowe bio out from a couple of years ago, and I highly recommend it. There's some guy named Greg Townsend who I talked to, and he said I don't know, I have to read it. He's quoted in the book that liar, <laughs> but but anyways, it sounds like Dave's a miserable guy, and it might not have been fun on that tour. But I don't know; I've never yeah. met him, so you know. I think Dave's retired. I think Dave Edmonds, and uh, of course, we know Greg. We're uh, <clears throat> uh, fan friends from like childhood and uh, fans from adulthood. So uh, yeah. And, Best guitars actually, come out of Rochester, one of the top top five. And actually, there's a few times that Greg actually sat in and played with Lotus SDP. So you know, we yeah yeah at the Rangovian Embassy and also at Hungerfest, which was uh, this uh, gosh, uh, I can't remember the name of the person who put it together, uh, but it was uh, uh, sister of Mike passed away recently i can't think of it he was he's uh was he was the son-in-law of one of the not of uh, the stepson of one of the not of ray Nothnagel. uh gosh again it's, it's escaping me i'll hit remember it later i don't uh, know if stan introduced greg to the skeletons but he sure greased the machine and uh that became a nice little partnership back that's a the that's the lore i've never figured out yeah. the first time i ever saw the essentials i was at a kink show the uk jive tour it was at u of r my friend took me over to she was a quest we went over to jazzberries and the essentials were playing i swear it was with the skeletons but i've asked mark bradley and he says okay i believe you but i don't remember if it was them and it was, I guess, the first show of Jazzberries on East Avenue. So I know I saw the Essentials, but I don't know if it was the Skeletons. Um, the Skeletons did play at, at uh, Jazzberries, and they did that show also with uh, Chandler Travis doing doing. He was opening for them solo. I picked up a tape from Chandler at the time, but th- that was a fantastic show. It was incredibly loud. Yeah, plus the Questa was really drunk. It spilled the pitcher of bass ale on me. <laughs> so that's uh, Susie, are you doing that because of jazzberries or because of the beer? <laughs> but uh, yeah, I just actually was converting a lot of um, cassettes. I have to finish 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 them up. Uh, yeah, ar- archiving stuff for uh, Mark and Ellie, and uh, you know, Mark and Ellie hear this. Um, they're coming your way, and a lot of what some of the uh, one of the essentials gigs or salamanders gigs that they did after they came back from Springfield, and they introduced that's when they did the introduction of the song "Back of the Silver Saddle," uh, which they also do in the High Risers, and it was written about the Silver Saddle uh, Motel in Springfield, and that's the place where Ronnie Self uh, died, and I don't. So I was talking to Chaz last week about Ronnie Self, but um, look him up. Like Skeletons covered a ton of his songs, 
And I think also the high risers do a couple Ronnie self songs as well. I know Todd does some morales. He does like from shake and push. He does her kind of guy. I've played that yeah. a couple of times, but the other and one morales and the morales and morales slash skeletons covered, you know, um, uh, a high right, you know, a central salamanders high riser song. Uh, last night I spent my money. So I um, found that Salamander's album at Record Archive years ago, and I couldn't imagine who would part with it, but it's mine now. So mm-hmm. but I'm going to jump back to one Pat Denise's story. Sadly, the last memory I have when we're talking, all this stuff, he gave me his card. So he's asking me, where, the, where should he go to eat? Some guy overheard. He's screaming, get him to dinosaur, get him to dinosaur, get him to dinosaur. So that's <laughs> the last memory I have of Pat Denise. Yeah. Uh, so, hey, can I tell you, um, I was a, a nerd, you know, a fanboy. I sent fan mail to people sometimes. So I remember. Hey, uh, sorry, I didn't send back that. Cheers. I sent them <laughs> fan mail and I got back a Christmas card signed by the, um, that band, uh, the Smithereens. And, uh, also I, I sent a fan, fan mail to remember world party. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Goodbye. That, guy sent, that guy sent me back a Christmas cassette. Really nice. Oh, awesome. Suzanne day, Vega did yeah. that to me. She actually sent me a car, a Christmas card, and I got for years. I got postcards from Susan Vega for Christmas. But Susie, so you cool. missed you you missed this question. We were asking, how did you get into alternative music around here? Uh, I got into alternative music by you know, underground, as we call it. We're all from the underground. Is that Patrick? Um, I suppose. Ouch. My, uh, <laughs> Stan, you probably know my my ex brother in law Rick uh, Rick Jensen, who also used to DJ over at um, U of R at uh, WRUR, um, who is the one who got me into RUR in the first place. He's the he and my sister are the ones who got me into alternative music and underground, and he's the one who got me to my first Ramones concert. I think I was fourteen at the time. Orgies and um, wow, yeah, I and you know Rick's uh, record collection. I just would sit and just stare at his record collection and just pull it out and just play another record and just listen to it and just go from one obscure album to the next. And he's like, "Okay, we're going out. You coming with us?" And I'm like, "Okay, I'll go." <laughs> yeah, I. Um, I I I was bit right away, like when I was fourteen. Well, now I mean, Susie, you're about my age, so you'll be able to drink in a couple of years. But <laughs> one of the memories we have, and I'd like to just talk about this just randomly, is the effect Scorgies had on all this, and how many things you've seen there. But what's like a couple of things that stand out? Which I don't like. What was your best experience or worst? Because it depends what day it is. I mean, I miss. I remember Alex Chilton stands out in the time Ooh. the time the cramps remember lux how scorgy was pissed because of what lux did one night i know i missed i missed uh i missed the cramps and i missed the ramones at scorgy's so you know um and I, but since i got involved in doing promo promotion there uh you know and i didn't realize you know like okay dan deutsch had left you know, and uh, other people had left, and so it was Scorgy and, and you know, and and me, and I was responsible for the Alex Chilton show, and which <laughs> lost money on, yeah, and it uh, doesn't matter. 
And we put together a, a tribute, you know, a, a, a super group to open up for them. And it's like outside of the people who are the opening band, there might have been like 10 band customers. But that was a fantastic, that fantastic show. Sometimes they're um, the best shows. And then, at, and then Don was looking at me at the end. And he was like, Arr! and he's like, he had this, you know, big light ashtray. And he's like, Arr! and he's, all you could do is just smash the ashtray in the bar. <laughs> just like say, and then, okay, and then he stay away from Don. And anytime that Don would get angry, you'd literally see his face turn red. <laughs> yeah. Like and it would like look like his hair was like about ready to twirl off. I used to work in the kitchen with Sky, and because uh, I also worked at the Strath Island at the time, and Don hired me. I lied about my age, so of course. Well, I got I, you know nobody cared in those days as much like these days. Like I've done the door now, I won't let you in, but like those days, nobody cared as much. But there's a story, and I could confirm it. If, their brains aren't fried from new math. There's a story that, that they opened for the Ramones. You remember that song, Money, they would play, and people would throw money up to the stage? I have a video of it even, like, a couple times. They would play Kevin. They'd sing, you know, dollar bills. I guess Scorgie's manager came with a vacuum and vacuumed up the money. Oh, that's man. Just, that's just... That's just... <laughs> hey, uh, new math has a new uh, rarities and B-sides release digitally. Uh Oh, I've got, I've actually got the Willie Loco Alexander recordings. I have to give to like Mike or somebody. No, give them to me. Are you? Here we go. We're bidding everything. No, no, no. Because I, I can digitize them. I've got an, I've got a digitized setup. Got a really nice NAD, uh, cassette deck and I've got doing some really nice rips. And here's the other story I'll give you that night with the cramps. And again, I was not there. I just hear it secondhand that they went to Marge's afterwards. And Ivy had a leopard skin coat on, and some drunk looked at her and kept going va 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 boom over and over again. <laughs> I don't know if that's true or not. That, that's, that's plausible. Very that's plausible. plausible. You know, uh, Rob, remember that uh, Invisible Party opened up for Willie Alexander because you know I was probably one of the only DJs playing Willie on WRUR, and you know then I was just like gotten a little inner circle thing with. Uh, that was one time I got props from, uh, uh, from Kevin Patrick was just like all just hanging out and they're, and they're coating their cigarettes with some funny stuff and smoke. Bubble gum, bubble gum. Yeah. <laughs> just like, remember like when Greg wanted, when the Kings played and Greg wanted bubble gum for Christmas, it was bazooka bubble gum. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, well, they were, they were, they weren't coating their cigarettes with bubble gum and smoking it. <laughs> You know, you know Willie, uh, I don't know, I, now I'm a belated Willie uh, acolyte, but I, it's 30 years too late. But, uh, Hit him I with the X, Chase. <laughs> I met him thanks to Judd Williams. I went to see, a, uh, there was like a reunion uh, bash up in uh, one of the few times I've been out. And it had like the uh, Nervous Eaters, which was a, a Boston punk band. They all looked like they, like us, like a bunch of guys running a hardware store. They didn't look like <laughs> rock But uh Willie was there, and he's got this X Factor. He's a very charismatic guy. I think he's like seventy or something. Uh, yeah, he's. And he had an uh, attractive uh, wife or girlfriend. He's very charismatic. And I went up to him and I said, uh, "Yeah, my friend Stan gave me a copy of your record. I love that silly song called Do the Baldy Do the Bald.'" He just grinned ear to ear. He went, "That's hair." So anyway, uh, the two guys who have drank from the fountain of youth up in the Boston area here are uh, Willie and Peter Wolf. Who, oh, uh, 
just Jay Giles. Good yeah. for them. Yeah. You know, and we we saw Peter so, Wolf at Solid Sound, and also we saw him opening up for Tom Petty that one year, and that last that was the last Tom Petty show. Yeah. I think in the in the 1980s, that was the only person I would say was sort of mainstream I listened to was Tom Petty. Oh, you know, there's a you know the story about how uh, Smithereens got the gig to open for them. Uh, they, they, two or not too long ago, the Smithereens actually opened were opening for Tom Petty just because he heard them on the radio. He just heard one of their songs on the radio and just contacted them and says, you know, want to open for me for for a bit? And they were <laughs> just all over it. So I want to actually go into the bad nos a little bit. And here is one album, Fearless Leader. Yeah, here's the Cousin Al album, just from Chad's. Who is that Wave handsome man? That was, produced, that was was that Wave Wolf was produced by Darren Vernessel? Yeah, I think so. And then Step on a Big Boy, which was... Yeah. And I just, this dawned on me on the way here. Is the writing with the, first of all, how did the Bad Nuts come about? But is any of this stuff influenced by Viv Stanshaw? Some of the humor. Uh, I felt that we were bonzo-ish you know well and, the titles of the song is i show patrick <laughs> and actually uh when neil innes came to uh the bop shop atrium i was there i gave him a copy of it and he told me that he was going to uh get, give it to uh viv and especially because you know he viv loves you know songs about hitler and uh <laughs> he's british he's a british comedian yeah. well you know it's it's it, you know it's the song it's time to party with hitler's dog so i i sincerely hope that neil passed that on to him and uh that was a great honor meeting uh neil and uh you know we weren't um fully aware you know processing all the bonzo stuff uh before we started the band and i think the uh, concept behind the band is that you know, anybody who brought an idea to the band, you know, we were just going to do it, you know, say yes. So, and it's kind of like improv comedy where, you know, you always say yes. Um, so we were trying to carry that sense in our band and it was a lot of fun. And then later on with other members, they started saying, no. <laughs> so it's like, it's like, uh, you know, uh, it, it took on a different uh, tone. And then it eventually just like, because eh, we were really bad at promoting ourselves. Um, and you were uh, good enough we did... to have a cartoon character named after the band, though. <laughs> you know, it was, even though yeah, we you know, before you, we still named after you somehow. But, you know, like, there's, you know, as far as, hey, eeny, meeny, chilly, beeny, these spirits are about to speak. <laughs> uh, <laughs> hey, everybody. <laughs> so, uh, no, nothing up the sleeve. Presto. Um, <laughs> So, you know, it's a, uh, it was a lot of fun being in that band, but after a while, it just kind of bit, just went its way. And then I like to say, you know, <laughs> we kind of broke up and then they reformed behind Dan Eaton. So it's like the, the, the Dan Eaton band was the bad enough minus Stan plus Dan. <laughs> and I, I, I dined out on that for a long time and actually found out later that Adam felt really guilty and I said no Adam it's fine you know like you get you know the Dan Eaton bands you know good band but, we were like the Sid Barrett um, and then they went on to become the Roger Waters version of you're the crazy guy Stan <laughs> I would like to ask Susie a question yeah. because she's just looking there striking a pose and uh, but Susie how did what was how did you get the a start in being a band 
Because um, I never knew you had that voice until I heard you. That makes sense, Dan. That really makes sense. You never knew she had the oh. voice you heard. <laughs> no, no, no. But seriously, oh, I, I know, did. I know. We're kidding around with you. No, no. <laughs> Susie is, you know, a powerhouse singer. It would be um, Joff Wilson, actually, who um, first took interest in me when I was uh, 18. Um, I don't know if you guys remember that hot dog place on the corner of Oxford and uh, Park Ave. Oh, oh, yeah. You know, Wasn't uh, that uh, Zabs? Zabs, yeah. I was working there, and he was hanging out, and he was hanging out with uh, Ron Tripp, and May. I don't know if you guys heard, but Ron passed away. Ron. Uh, Tripp. I don't know if you guys knew him. Amazing bass player. Anyway, it was him and Greg Slack were all hanging out, and... Uh, and I, I was singing some song, and and Josh was like, "Hey, this girl can really sing, man." And I'm like, "Yeah, I play guitar too." You play guitar? Why aren't you playing in a band? And I'm like, "Because I'm a pastry chef. I don't have time for music." And I didn't. I didn't have time for music. I didn't. I didn't want to be in a band. I just, you know, I wasn't interested in it at the time. And um, it was uh, probably not until I was twenty. 25 to 28 that I I mean I went to school for for vocal performance for for opera really and um, when I moved back to Rochester my dad had passed my my biological dad had passed away so I moved back to Rochester and uh, I started singing and I was like you know what I'm just gonna go to an open mic and hang out Joff is there he he invited me to come and, and sing a song so I did and I I went up and I sang acapella by myself. I didn't want anybody to go up with me. I was like, if I sing and people like what I'm doing, then, you know, and if they join with me, then I know that I'm okay. I'm kind of okay. That's when it bit, when, that's when I got bit by the performance bug. And I was 28, I think at the time. So 20 so something years later, I'm still you know, it goes all over. We had Lisa Loudon on recently. She didn't start till she was 45. Love Lisa. She's great. Yeah, she was, she I great? never knew that. She never started till she was 45. It's like you yeah. can start when you start. Yeah. Start when you start. That makes yeah, sense. Man. Really well today. Really well. <laughs> but I think there's one thing that came to the bar now stands. I got a crowd behind him. <laughs> they're, they're filling in. But. I think the one, the one connection I made with the bad enoughs and is I think you both, you can't define your music. I think like Stan, if you listen to your voice, you don't know how old you are or anything. And the songs, they could be like, I said, you'd both be great. If I did some indie movie that actually took off for once, you'd be both great on the soundtrack. Don't hold your breath and wait for money, Billy. I'm going with yeah, yeah. you know. <laughs> Yeah, I, you know, like, uh, no, that's fun. I, I, didn't, I didn't know I could sing until I started singing. I mean, I did musicals and stuff, and I had a background in theater. So I really considered myself to be a performer more than a musician. Uh, and so, you know, uh, that's it's been really great. My, our last project, which was Big Ditch, that, you know, I was able to reunite with, uh, you know, original bass player and drummer from. I saw you at a the firehouse. Theater. I saw you yeah. at a firehouse. Play, but... And uh, so I, and, and then because I wasn't writing any of the big ditch songs. So I just focus on the vocal performance and, you know, doing, do, you know, experimenting with, 
you know, fake tube and throat singing and, you know, bringing other elements to it and just like focusing on, you know, hammering, hammering the sound out, um, you know, but it's fun. And, you know, and, and I love, you know, all the projects that Susie's been in. Uh, I, I'm watching Ch- Chaz. It's like all like this. I'm oh, sorry. Hello there. Hey. Uh, if you want, if you want to sign Chaz pictures, send care of the podcast. We'll get you one. I'll just yeah. sign it. You won't know. But you know, like for longest time, I couldn't write a song. I, I really didn't have a songwriting partner. So going back to the bad knobs, you know, I was able to write with, uh, you know, Adam. I, I wrote with uh, Bruce Johnson. I uh, wrote with uh, Ken Stahl uh, and and also Greg Hassett, who later was a later member of the band. Greg, of course, Greg is, you know, in Tommy Burnett's group in, in Large Marge, you know, also was in Cuckoo Boy. And he also had the band The Pants. And he had, what was the name of his <coughs> latter period band? Susie, do you remember that? The more punk band? Very loud. Uh, big, big hair. Are you thinking of big no, hair? No, no, not big hair. Um, the, ga- the, the gowns. Oh, the yeah. Called, the gowns. Very Dead Boys influenced, you know, so a lot yeah, of energy. That was, that was a high energy, yeah. That yeah. Was, um, you know, you're talking about... Um, I'm having a brain fart all of a sudden. and I'm Jump in if you remember. I think that's one of the, the biggest strengths of Rochester. I've heard so many people who move just go, we don't get the diversity of music you do here. I have a friend who lives in Atlanta. You would think big city. So he says not half the type of stuff we have here. We're like on any given day pre-COVID and maybe after COVID. You can go like after the show, I'm going to go see a jazz drummer at the bop shop tonight. You know, you just... But they say they've not half as much music here. Yeah, but back to Greg Hassett real quick. Um, there you go. We, we were doing a thanks. We were doing a um, a song called uh, "He'll Thank Me Later," and um, his daughter was still alive. He <sighs> rest in peace. And he was saying she freaking loves your voice. My daughter loves your voice. She can't get over your voice. And I'm yeah. like, oh wow, that's really awesome hearing it from a young younger person. The voice so he laid down the tracks for us on that song and his his Greg's got such a great range with his guitar that he can he can play anything you know anything that he wants to that's a great picture is that Freddie in the background that's that's Todd the Bob Bradley and that's, that's Scott oh Todd <laughs> look at that Todd the Bod <clears throat> Oh goodness! Yeah, I, 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 I've been trying to push that nickname for him for a while. Yeah. I also have a nickname for Mark Bradley. We call him Bark Madley. Mark Madley. I'm sure Ellie likes that one <laughs> because you know he because of sax playing. Because you yeah. know, get the bark of the sax. I like That's that. That's one thing I'll ask. Being how, and this is just one of those whatever questions. I'll just call it a whatever question. How do you think it's like going to music and everything has changed or stayed the same over these decades? Except that we're older now, obviously, and we probably don't stay out till like four in the morning anymore. Well, you know, I, I'm living in uh, the North Shore of Boston and I'm like, uh, I'm really... Well, your commute to old. shows is longer than... I'm living here. the old man life, so I don't get out. I don't get out like I could. I just don't. And, uh, you know, I got to, you know, don't want to ever get a, a DUI um, around here. And, you know, I've learned a lot of lessons, but uh, 
I listen to WUMB, which is like the Americana station here. And uh, it's shocking how much talent. I mean, the whole, um, there's a band called Casey and Clayton and uh, a lot of, a lot of people that sound like Joni and Neil and uh, I'm not putting them down. It's uh, it blows my mind. Um, just there's this whole crop of people coming up in, in this Americana scene, putting out releases. If you ever listen to WUMB, uh, it'll bear out. And but I as think, far as a, a yeah. live scene, I don't know. I've got to ask. You got to get Judd Williams on this show. We will. Still, uh, yeah, Judd, how's he doing? Still connected. Uh, I hung out with him once, but he's around here and he's connected. He knows what's going on. We'll get him. Um, what about NRBQ? Do you ever hear NRBQ down in Massachusetts anymore? Anything that people remember them? Uh, um, Stan and me, are, Stan turned me on to them too. They're uh, just legendary. We're going to go see Al Anderson. September 22nd. Yep. Going to see Big, Big Al Saberick, Old Saber, Connecticut. Yep. I remember, I got to go back to Neil Innes for one second. I said the absolutely worst thing to him when I went to ask him about Eric Idle. And I guess they had a falling out. He, oh. he goes, I, it doesn't matter. He still signed, I love you. <laughs> but something that was not the question to ask. Was it? Was yeah, it in regards to like spam a lot or something like yeah. that? Or, yeah, yeah. Well, he, he, you know, Neil, Neil's gotten changed a lot for you know the rebuttal stuff because you know they they actually uh, got sued uh, for, you know for the first Ruddles album. And it's like you know, so if you actually look at the copyrights and saying Lennon McCartney, it's just like because they it, it was a, such a much they considered it such a pastiche that they you know took away the writing credit. That and, sucks. Um, so that's that sucked. That and, sucks. Uh, Fuck that Apple is, Records. That is ridiculous. me, but anyway. Yeah, 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 yeah. Believe, you know, no, actually, I heard the <clears> one <throat> rumor I always heard was Chaz was going to start a Bad Enough tribute band called the Chaz and Offs. I don't <laughs> know if that's actually true or not. <laughs> I actually, I, I I started and I haven't finished, but I've been collecting a lot of Chaz's stuff that he doesn't have anymore, and I'm going to clean it up a little bit. But you know, um, yeah, he, it's basically you know, he's a, he's I mean, white. He's sweeping all my brain cells back in, into the dustpan and putting them back in the jar. Yeah, it's going to be called Scratch Off. The you know the best of <laughs> Chaz because he put out he he made a little homemade CD that and he Chaz I love the art but he he can't re, doesn't have it uh, where he he actually took a Scratch Off ticket and it made it look like you know he it was his face on it. <laughs> that was awesome. yeah yeah no I have a, somewhere that's on my in my Facebook archives I. Uh, I, I, I found a filter that was could make your face into a rubber stamp, uh-huh. and I'm like, wow, it looks like uh, it looks like something on a scratch off. So I photoshopped it onto a scratch off ticket, and I was like, wow, how did I how did I do that? But uh, the one thing I was going to ask too for everybody performing in front of an audience, and you too, Patrick, could answer this. How do you get in? Because that's like something. That's why I could do a show like this because mm. it's just friends talking. But I don't think I do this live, like sold out at the auditorium theater or not. <laughs> I mean, in front of the five people who came. But well, how did you get, especially going up there the first time, 
and just get into that mindset. And then, of course, obviously, you have to draw on the feedback, too. And I'm sure when everybody applauds or tells you, I love this, this is great, if you get like a cabbage thrown at you, not so great. Or if there's few people there, you have to adapt and give them a really good show. As Susie, no matter it be five people at Susie's show, 5,000, she kicks ass. I'm going to tell you why. First, if you can always thank the Brady Bunch for always thinking – Oh, yeah, you just got to look at them like they have polka dots on, polka dot underwear on. <laughs> oh, thank you. I'm glad I look like that when I go to your shows. No, I am. it's not true. I don't do that. I imagine when I'm on stage, I imagine a stadium full of people wherever I go. It doesn't matter if it's a one person, five people, ten people. I imagine that I'm playing in a stadium full of people every single time and that's why i can pull that energy off because yeah susie you got the mojo you got the onstage mojo i'm always like uh it's like rock star quality like to, i don't know how you, you know how you really feel but it's like there's a hundred percent confidence right there uh every time i've seen you so well, i would think like you're more of like a shyer guy she has a little bit of stan and maybe a little more outgoing i don't know but uh like for you would it just because you're like playing guitar or something you're not the lead singer usually she's like you can just do it and do your job or you know in front of an audience yeah i don't have that i don't have that 100 percent um even keel and i can get i can get like a racehorse i can get get spooked so I can screw up a performance. Well, you have your vocals. Hear. I remember the song "I Am the King" that you sung lead on at the show at Richmond's and stuff. Where so yeah, can... I mean uh, that the demo's great. I came up to Rochester and did it, and I kind of got spooked uh, uh, like a racehorse, and we got through it. But uh, I was like blowing blowing lines and stuff like that. So yo, I'm blowing the... lines, great. We don't have the no. Cops I didn't on mean that. Here. <laughs> I didn't mean snipping lines. I meant blowing lines. <laughs> anyway, I don't have I don't have the the uh, the rock solid uh the rivets aren't on the plane as tight as stan and Susie. when it comes to being a front man uh the plane well, it, can it, fall apart it comes so. you know basically how do you get to carnegie hall you practice 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 so yeah you know, having, take a gps having, these days i mean like you know i'm really <laughs> at my best when i have everything down you know and, 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 and the rhythm section is locked in and you know you just go you know it just you just i get in the zone and i just like i'm i could be going down the raceway you know as long as long as the motor's running you know then i got put, put pedal down you know it's good uh a few times i've you know felt awkward on stage and that's because things are falling apart you know but i think you know uh as one uh, music instructor once said um this is i'm doing a voice now because this was uh the music instructor at a school that i used to work at uh be it right be it wrong be it bold so you know <laughs> yeah because the audience doesn't know uh if you've muffed up a line i mean how do you, you guys either of you guys feel about having a lyric sheet in front of your nose uh will you do that or are you too proud to do that no i have i do it all the time okay at, I have to do it because sometimes I, I'll sometimes I'll write it on my arm. There you go. <laughs> I will. I'll write it all. I'll write like a little piece on my arm. Sometimes you're not going to be looking at this at your next show, Susie. You're going to break None at all whatsoever. And I'll have it and I'll 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 read it out and I don't care. But um, the reason I have the confidence that I have was watching you guys when I was younger. 
because you guys, no, I'm serious. I'm totally serious. Watching you guys gave me that oomph of wanting to, to play when I got older because I, because I knew you when I, when I was younger, I knew you at Scorgies and I loved what you guys did. And it, when Rob asked me, do you want to be a part of this? I was like, yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Wow, I yeah. never knew that. I've seen how many of your shows and I never knew you. You're really good at it. I'm going to have to look for it when I go to the show. But, you know. You can always tell I'm reading. <laughs> well, you also, you're very, you have like a comfortable stage presence. I don't know how to speak to that really, but I always would point to Colin Blundstone from The Zombies and say, okay, you don't have to go jumping around and dancing on the stage. You could just stand there like he does, but you hold the audience. Yeah. But how does that compare? Yeah, like well, to easy, easy to say if you're uh, as talented as he is, because yeah. he's got, you know, his little pinky hits the keyboard and it sounds like a million dollars. And he's yeah. just. But how would you compare like that blessed. to acting, Patrick? Like in terms of being on, because you know Patrick acts and well, he did before COVID. He'll do it again, I'm sure. Uh, I mean, it's the the thing you have when you're on stage is you, as opposed to, you know, performing music, even performing your own music, is you're you get to be somebody else, you know, and that is a huge, to me, that's always been the thing that helps me uh, not worry about how I'm coming off to the audience is this just like I'm in a performance. And as you've seen me give uh, curtain speeches for stuff that I've worked on, will know that I am not comfortable in front of an audience being myself. I, I, I never have any idea what to say. Even if I write it down, I mess it up. Um, but I mean, I just, I like to play, you know, so I play and that's to me, that's, that's the thing. I mean, in, in the few times that I've sung in public in a show, I'm still, I still getting over the nervousness of that. Like, cause when you're singing karaoke, you, you've been drinking. <laughs> so that's how that works. But, you know, and I like to sing, but I, I get nervous singing in front of people without, is there anywhere to was there anywhere to do karaoke in Rochester? There is. Um, uh, there, I I know that there's karaoke. I I know one. I know the guy, um, George Schnell. Um, George. Yeah, George Schnell. Nick of the, uh, <laughs> the Nice Guys. Uh, also, Curious George and the and the Royals. Also, yeah. from the Royals. And, yeah, I was going to say. Yeah, you guys, first you guys know he 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 does a uh, he runs karaoke at. Um, Thursdays and Saturday nights now, and that's that was the guy I would always go to because he's he's awesome and he knows how to make people sound good because he's got all that engineering experience, so he knows how to how to make you sound good, you know. And, yeah. And, uh, yeah, George, yeah. George, I uh, there's an it, if if anybody can find it, I used to have a link to it, but NRBQ used to circulate a tape of like different highlights and one of them was <laughs> uh george and his other member of the royals which name's not is, is escaping right now interviewing pretending that they were big time interviewee interviewers interviewing interview and interview just dumping them left and right mocking them out this <laughs> <laughs> hilarious mick Hargra mike hargraves i think was the other member of the royals and mike is uh down in the he, he did he did a did a couple other projects, you know, he's on in the New York City area. 
here's a question I want to ask. It's like, how do you sell original music like in this town? And I'll give an example. I try to promote all the, that's one thing I try to do with the show. I always try to do, anybody who knows me, is to promote all things local. But I'll have like friends and I'll say, come and see this. You, you know what you like. You may like this. But what do I get? Like a response last week. Well, I'm not going to come to that, but there's an Eagles cover band you can show up and go. Exactly. <laughs> and yeah, how the heck do you promote original stuff and get people to go? And you just hope it grows organically. And I've been doing that with Adriana Noon lately. We're like, we're trying to expand our audience. I think she's really good. But the same people come to the show and we're great, glad they do. Or like, yeah. obviously, like Stan, when we saw Jukebox Right, it's all the old crew seeing them. Right. How do we get other people just to try it? You know, I free I, cookies, I, free cookies. I, I looked at I, if you look at um, you know going back to Dan Eaton band because you know I knew those guys very well and uh, when they started out you you know they'd be playing the German house and there'd be like the same five people playing over and over again. It took a while for them to build up a following and an audience and you know and they worked at it very hard and um, especially since they weren't really great at promoting things. Um, the, and, you know, they, and they had a bunch of nice gigs that actually drew, drew a good amount of people. And then the only, one of the reasons why the band broke up is that Dan got a job, you know, at, in, in, you know, lost the job on channel nine and took a job out in Hammondsport. So, um, and that was the end of that band. Um, so it's, it's, it's tough. And especially when you're above a certain age, um, because, you know, and a lot of things changed when the drinking age went up to 21. And because you used to have people like Susie going to Scorgies when she was 14. And, you know, that's when the drinking age was 18. And you can kind of like, you know, they weren't really checking the IDs of the young ladies too much. I have another story about another 14 year old whose <laughs> parents let her go to Scorgies because I was working there. Oh, <laughs> it's like, so cool. but she's a publicist in California now. And, you know, but Susie, that's, I think you, that's another Susie. I think you could hear us that, uh, what would you say in terms of local, how to promote original music in Rochester? And the one thing I'll go back on, I live in the Burbs. I see like at the bars and stuff, like it's all cover bands or that type of stuff. And it's like, Get, I like original. Yeah, but there's like a there's a mix because I have those friends I went to high school with, everything else. They won't come to I try to advertise all the shows, say, come on down, check them out. There's any type of music you like, I'll find something. It's like, oh, well, there's an Eagles cover band or they're playing this over here. How do you get people to come down like entice them just to check it out? They may like it. I'm not gonna go buy everybody drinks, especially <laughs> these days. I've I learned that um because I did sales for a, a, quite a long time, I learned that if I made business cards and I treated Anonymous Willpower or Velveteen Fox or whatever band I was in like a business and I handed out CDs to certain people and you know, people who, other musicians, I was like, hey, listen to my music, tell me what you think of it, give me a, a just, it's all original, Tell me what you think. I I want your, I don't want any bullshit. I want you to tell me exactly what you think. I don't want you to be nice to me. I want you to be honest. 
and um, getting that feedback from those people, they liked it, so they started telling other people. And because my parents had a, a, a restaurant and they never advertised, it was all word of mouth. I learned word of mouth at a young age. And I also did promotion for X and Idols and all the other fun stuff. So I learned to do promotion. And the more you promote and you make a buzz about yourself or about your music or about anything that you're interested in, the more people are going to talk about it. And if you make it interesting, you dress interesting, and you have, and you keep true to what you originally created, people are going to start to get interested. It might take a year. It might take five years. It might take 10 years. But if you continue to stick with it, people are going to be like, I know that song. I know that song. I've heard that song before. I heard that on the radio because now it's played on the radio. But back then they're like, I know, I know that song from somewhere. Who, who does that song? I'm like, anonymous willpower does that song. You know, and they're like, well, who do you sound like? I sound like anonymous willpower. I don't sound like anybody else. That's I what I said. I said, I called you one time a soundtrack to an independent movie. There's like voodoo J, you know, voodoo rock from New Orleans. There's yeah, something of every, you put it into a big stew basically. Voodoo soul is what I what I call it. Yep, you twirl it all around and you add a dash of uh, something else. Oh, look, it's Don, everybody! Oh, so everybody say hi hey. to Don. Hey, Don, good to see you. Good to see the Don. Da Don. <laughs> You're taller than her. <laughs> I thought I was taller than he was. Hey, Charles, we're in Nuggie. How's Baltimore? He's not in Baltimore anymore. He's oh, in, in Boston, Boston now. Boston I'm now. in Boston now eating chowder. <laughs> wow. What we were saying in terms of promotion too, and that's like even with the podcast, I hate telling my friends like to like the you know do all that stuff, but you know everybody seems to like it. But we have radio. Like we're after this is over, I'll be listening to a whole lot of shaking. And they, Mike has done so much for our music and in terms of pop culture, even where it's like that that circle where there is promotion. Like he'll be playing Prevost's album, Greg's new album. And he'll play it. And there's other stuff, too. So there's three, uh, uh, you know, this is why I love Rochester. There's three underground radio shows that I listen to. I listen to Mike, of course. Then there's the Sherbrock kid. uh, All right. Great. And then there's uh, Steve Lithbeck's High Rock and Roll Rumble, uh, which I heard before I came down not nutty rock well stuff, he mentioned the podcast and he good. mentioned me on the show so i had to check one cash for him but i sent up this so <laughs> yeah, he loves coming he loves coming on the show we were going to go see him susie down we're going to come down too i think but we got poured on on previous thursday yeah. and he had to postpone it so we didn't go yeah yeah it was also ron's uh funeral so we we were yeah, it was, I was bummed. One of those that. weeks. Oh. It didn't rain on the funeral, though. The uh, moment after. the moment that his body, literally, the moment that his body went into the ground, it started pouring. Wow. <laughs> I, was really, I was really sad to hear his death. I mean, you know, like that. Steve, no. Lyons, Steve Lyons said it, unfortunately. He said, now, as the years go by, we're losing people. Yeah. yeah. I just found I just found a picture and I'm going to be posting it later and it's Rick Hall, Scott Weichman and John Lakemia. And, um, and that was from, Oof. and that was one of uh, the uh, whole lot of shaking shows at, at the Bop Shop Atrium. 
about 10 years ago. Those were such fun and Bob Fest yeah, and everything. I'm, Those were great. I'm the only survivor. <laughs> yeah. Let's all surround Don. Let's all go around. <laughs> but Scotty, uh, well, Scotty, maybe we played out more with Donnie because Scotty was a little. He was Scotty is. Him and Rick would get in arguments sometimes and we they wouldn't be able to get it together, but. But it was fun for a little while. Well, and I, Rick would kiss me all the time. <laughs> he would be I, so annoying. <laughs> I think I think uh, Anonymous Willpower did did a uh, show at that crazy Mexican restaurant with um, the uh, Sin Walkers. If I recall. oh yeah, that was that. Uh, what? what was the name of that place? Um, the place that was downtown. Yeah, it was where, downtown. Yeah, where they had a really nice. Uh, they actually would record you. Yeah. Uh, you know so. I guess they could say, hey, we're going to pay you this, but here's something you can use. <laughs> so. right. It's like when you come off the, uh, when you come out of the tunnel, the, the fun house, we took a picture of you screaming on the roller coaster. It's five ninety nine. <laughs> I had like the Scotty story I had that creeped me out galore. I find out he passed away. I look, I just got a Facebook friend request from him. Oh. Who? What? Scott, oh, uh, what? I, he, I found out Scott passed away. I didn't realize he passed away. He had just sent me a friend request. Oh, well, then that's not Scott. So don't take no. it. Uh, yeah. Well, Scott's Scott's uh, older sister just passed away. Um, and, you know, because I still keep in touch with his uh, his mom and I help her out with a few things. How's she doing? She's a nice lady. She's an amazing, amazing person. You know, she's got a lot more on the ball than some people have her age. Yeah, Actually, yeah. like, too, Stan, you don't come out as much, and, like, I really don't either, select bands and other things. But when you come out, it's a treat, like, seeing Jukebox Riot, you pos- you you gave them your seal of approval by coming out. Hey, uh, not only did I give them seal of approval, but the Jukebox Riot wouldn't have existed without, without oh, me. Oh, do tell, do tell. Well, uh, Kim was looking for a place to record the Hillside uh, Youth Group Band. Uh, and I, I thought, well, wait a second. Let me ask Ron because we could, um, Roy, I mean, so that we could, um, record at Nazareth. That'd be great. And then plus I can get these two guys together who should be together. And so they did that. And then, then they started a couple, another side project with one of, um, Kim's students, uh, Antonia who's now 18, very nice, young, beautiful, talented young lady. And so that, that's how they came up with Boom Slang. So there's a version of the band that has Antonia, Roy, and Kim in it. And then they decided they want to do this cover thing. Now, you know, I know Roy had a few, you know, health journeys over the past 15 months, but he's back in great shape. And they did a, I thought they acquitted themselves very well for playing out for the first time. Uh, and, uh, it's, it's Kim, uh, Roy Stein and two other Nazareth music business students, Iggy on keyboards, sax, vocals. You've seen playing with Roy in April too, many, you know, they play. And so, you know, they make a good team. And and also then when we did remember when last time before that, you saw me was the, Bennett for the for the Australian uh, wildfires. Yeah, the last I think probably, probably going to be the last version of New Math we'll see. We had Kim and 
on guitar with with your brother, with Yakel. And yeah, Laura. I remember because I, I couldn't go because I had to take care of my dad. I remember that night well, but what are you going to do? And that was in, that was that was pretty cool. You know, they did uh, they did one of Kim's songs. And they did Rockin' they, in the Free World, I think, if I remember. Well, right. no, that was the Neil Young show. Oh, okay. Uh, and I don't know if, yeah, they, that was different. Uh, well, maybe they did do Rockin', I'm not sure. But they, they did mostly new math stuff. And uh, they had, yeah, I like, was told my dad pooped his pants and I had to clean his diaper on. I just said, <laughs> I can't go. Living with well, dementia for five years, I'll tell you. He was right. more important. What he, you know, and I, well, and, we can sh- tell where the show is going now. <laughs> I remember yeah. you, Stan. Actually, yeah. a sight yeah. of you I'll never forget is you had the tinfoil hat on. You were playing the theremin for Infrared Radiation Orchestra. I think I'd let you survive. No, no, no. I wasn't wearing the tin. Foil. You weren't okay. No, no, that was that was one that was uh, Barry uh, Barry's uh, buddy from Ithaca, yeah. and I have pictures of the guy, so I can prove it wasn't me. Okay, well now you're not one of those, huh? You're not one of those. I was like saying we don't really talk politics much, but I think that's the thing I've been trying to do on this show lately is saying how we're a lot nicer to each other when there's music and it brings people together. And I hate how you have to be put like you said, like okay, like we said like Willie's right wing, like Michael Caine would say, well, I'm a right wing socialist or you're, I think we're all a mix that we're supposed to join some group and not like, and I think music still is the key to bring people together. Cause I've never really seen people fight, break out and scream. You know, I've seen people who I know are politically opposite. I won't even name them, but I think we know some of them, but when they're out hanging out, having fun and we're all people, and we have a lot more in common than we have different. Well, you know, I was, yeah, you know, Right, right. The media, the media is cleaning up all the poker chips, to, uh, making uh, money off of uh, uh, the culture wars. So uh, know what you're dealing with when you're you're. Uh, Controversy uh, sells, media. I think, too. Yeah, absolutely. And we right. had like a recent president who was like a game show host who was you know did it all his own. You didn't really have to work to find the stupid statements and stuff. You know, yeah, I don't, I don't, but no, but it, it's a that. point, but it's a point now. No, see, so I mean, okay, ago, trust I me. I don't but, remember. Any but like, you, no matter what, like if somebody said, okay, we're going to clean up all the environment, the people on the other side, it's a plot to steal your jobs and so on. You can't, you know, and that was right. the one thing in reading history is years ago. Yeah. There was a lot of bad fighting. If you ever saw what they called Abe Lincoln and stuff. But stuff like that, but they would come together for some things, and we don't have that now. But like at concerts, it's like at Susie or any of your concerts, I don't see people getting up, raising their hands. Ah, I hate you because you said this or whatever, you know? I think they're too afraid of me to do that anyway. Well, yeah, yeah. you know, <laughs> especially when you had that voodoo stick going around singing, I'll put a spell on you. Yeah, yeah. You make those noises during that song. <laughs> if you become big enough, if you become a superstar like Madonna or Kardashian or something, be assured they'll put you under a microscope and they'll go through all your Twitter posts and uh, they'll they'll try to find something to take pot shots at you. Yeah. But uh, I'll be like, yeah, I said whatever. that. Yep, I did that. Uh-huh. I sure did that too. Yeah. And I'm not afraid to I'd say never it. Get, I'd never get elected for public office, I'll tell you that. That's all right. Uh, Ch- Chaz, you have my vote. <laughs> yeah, we're going to have a writing campaign. Right. Yeah, writing campaign. Or actually, you know, but, you know, I've, I, I, to, to your point, Rob, I've actually had is- issues with some people. And, I, and, I, and they start talking politics. It's like, 
I don't want to talk politics with you. I we try to, to keep it off the show. We try to. Keep I want to talk about show. music, you know, and because there's one person I had some archive recordings. I'm not going to go into details because I don't want to embarrass the person. But you know, you know, I'm just trying to talk about. Hey, I have this show that you did at Ruth and Herb's Astrological Fish and Steak, and it was recorded by my friend, you know, Doug Rice. Uh, and oh, I've Doug, trans- Doug, I've trans- oh, Doug. I've, you know, I've converted to digital. It sounds great. And he's going on about this and that, and this conspiracy theory, that conspiracy theory, and so on and so forth. And I said, no, dude, you know, it's like, let's not talk about that. Let's talk about music. And he blew up at me. It's just like, okay. Well, yeah, that's what talk I to you later. spend. If you spend 10 hours a day on uh, whatever side of the media you're reading, you, you will get, rad- you can get radicalized. So. I think some of the problem, I think like some like, okay, Ted Nugent, I've never been a fan of his music, but say he's so tied up in his politics that it's hard to separate. Like if you just, I mean, Henry Rollins has said it where he's like, I actually like Ted and his music, but I wish he wouldn't do this stuff. But I think some people, I don't know if they do it. I think it's a work for a lot of people where they're trying to get attention because I don't think anybody's well, he's, that he's, nuts. You know, he's monetizing that. No, no, he's since day one. That. But uh, since day I'll one. tell you one thing. If they deplatform him, I will support him because I don't like this shit about kicking everybody off. No, and I'm sorry. Anyway, I believe I artistic. No, I think artistic freedom. You have to. You can't really censor, but that's another story. But something I'm going to want to just talk about briefly. We'll have to have you back for a sequel. And hi, Ariel. We will have you on. I saw there. We will have you on. But we'd love to have you back. We'd love to have you back for a sequel. But in terms of okay, like Stan, especially you on this one technology i remember i used to say like back in the day with new math and other things it sounded local because of that now it's amazing and i think the other thing is there's so much out there and that can be a problem i become acquainted with the recording process due to adriana with andy but you can find so much get it all out but you really have to look and then number two it's so much easier like we're doing this show basically in a bunker <laughs> you know, with the, with some little equipment, you can get it out and spread the word. You have to try to find it, but also just what do you think the future is in terms of musical technology? And I'll be talking to Tom Cohen tonight. You know, probably go well vinyl still, but in terms of like platforms and everything else, where are we going? Uh, I I think you know the it's just organic, you know, uh, because if you if you if you follow the arc of bands who are artistically um have have have, have cred- credibility uh that in in, in the, watch them grow over the years and see how things just like grow exponentially you know then you know they're they're looking at things other than physical media uh to support them you know because physical media the record company you know they they have you where they want you but if you can captain your own ship and you know build you know from person to person building bricks and then then you then you've got something i i you know all the machine pop stuff that is out there where like you know somebody you know it's not like stevie wonder getting a grammy for writing you know just enough in this for the city for set it's it's like a group of five people who've written a song and it's gone through a couple different producers and maybe been engineered by Mick Gazowski. Um, <laughs> you know, 
So, uh, you know, the local Rochester, you know, shout out to Nick, Mick Ozowski. But what about bands like Minor Characters? All right. Woo! Yeah. Uh, they actually, right. yeah, I don't know if you, you can't really see it, low resolution. But shout out to a, Pat Thomas, PT. That's Pete. a, uh, Pat. I love this guy right here. Um, that's when I was back in Pat, man, I'm, I'm still tight with Pat. Pat is uh one is is the shit man. Pat's a good guy. Well, I always yeah. looked at one of my Absolute things is great. bless you know bless them like an American Idol all the voice everything else. But I used to picture like I would do a parody of say Tom Waits went on the voice or Dylan. <laughs> you imagine how quick they get what they'd say when they got booted out. <laughs> well, you know that goes back to what you were talking about with Susie about you know. Uh, going out and, and trying to promote a band, and people say, "Hey, I saw these guys here, like the Eagles, you know, and they do, you know, a lot of Glenn uh, Fry and Don Henley songs, you know." And there's a meanwhile, there's you know Susie up, you know, wailing and um, you know, you know, jamming and 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 Don doing his fake, you know, best, uh, you know, voodoo, uh, Doctor Doctor meets Doctor John meets, you know. Um, Elton John. Professor Longhair. <laughs> no, no. Professor, he, Don is more fest than Elton. Oh, yeah. Right, Susie? Yeah. Absolutely. You know it. Oh, yeah. You know what I think is going on, too, is uh, we're just in a in a phase now culturally where, uh, you know, we're in a little micro, uh, uh, you know, a salon of people who know, know each other with uh, similar affinities towards the same bands and stuff like that. I don't think it's 1965 where every middle class household is buying a Beatles album, uh, or even you know in the 1982 everybody bought a, bought the same Michael Jackson album. I think it's all been atomized into like micro, like little micro islands, like micro economies of of culture. And your show right here is an ex- example of it. It's a uh, it, it's a very uh, singular. Uh, unique uh set of, of affinities of, of of certain people who know each other um and i seem to know a really lot powerful. <laughs> it's actually really powerful it's actually cooler than watching uh jim uh jimmy fallon or whatever well, you know what i do Thanks. I, we appreciate it us being called so, cool especially but yeah, you know what nice. i still do for music what do i do you know it Chaz, especially I guess friends, what are you listening to? And like I asked Caitlin, what are you listening to? And uh, Josh Netsky, when we were hanging out the one night, he has like, oh, try the Fruit Bats new album. It's great. That's how I do it. I ask for recommendations. Well, you know, corporate media wants to cast a huge net uh, uh, and, uh, and, and rope everybody in. And uh, it's lame. So now people are empowered, like Stan says, to find what they really love. And it might be the same 150 people. Um, you're not going to make a million bucks, but it's so power, it's powerful. And, uh, and it is, and it's like, it's I'll, a, we have to end, thing. we have to wrap up shortly and we hope we could have a sequel because we could talk for three hours, <laughs> you know, again, right. so hopefully if you enjoyed, come back. But one of the things musicians, this has actually come out a lot lately, because I'll see some shows you're at venues and I'm not going to name them where we're background music and like you have the fans, but nobody, they're talking where I heard like, for example, the little. People love to play there because everybody's into the music and listening. And I've always said, like, shows at Abilene, obviously. And you think, okay, if you're paying your money for these shows, why are you talking and interrupting? And I think yeah. musicians love that when people are paying attention. I think the best might be where people might go, go, hey, we don't know why we're going out. I just want to go. Let's try this bar. But they get entranced by the music. 
And I think that's a great feeling when you connect with somebody. And that's what I think the, why the big shows don't have that. You get that connection. And maybe I'm pretentious about that or whatever, but I just think oh, nice. that's what you feed off of. Except like at some plays where MJ would make fun of me during the play. <laughs> There's a couple I'd yell at her afterwards. <laughs> but but yeah, you get that connection and then you can talk to the artist too. And yeah. you get the feedback that, hey, I dig your stuff. Like we've gotten asked, like when Adriana played at Abilene, people I kind of tell Danny, we're working on demos. People want them. And I think that's part of the feel. And I think right. those musicians appreciate, they, they recognize you coming out. It's tough being in Rochester. Uh, Rochester, I'm sorry, Susie. I mean, you're going to go to you next. Uh, it, because you know uh, we're such a small market in we're you know geographically in a in a weird place because you know to play anywhere outside of Rochester, you know it's you know like we we played in Massachusetts once, you know, uh, or to no twice, and um, you know it's it's just like to Oh, you know, when you're, when you're not at that, when you're at that older level, you know, you just, you know, you know, just getting out there, getting music out there and, and distributing yourself. It's not like the, the old punk days when everybody just piles in a van and they sleep on everybody's floors and, and maybe their, their equipment doesn't get stolen. <clears throat> but, um, but another thing that's nice about Rochester is that we, we have had a tremendous opportunity to catch artists on their way up. And artists on their way down, you know, uh, that, so, you know, we might have an opportunity to see, for example, you know, uh, at the bug jar, some legendary people came there before they were big. White Stripes Bug Fest. White Stripes. I'll give the one that sticks up the most for me is when New Math opened up for Cheap Trick at the Penny Arcade and they threw crap at New Math. And I guess like Rick Nielsen and Buffalo the night after raved about it. But what did they do in the day? They played Penny Arcade, War Memorial. Then I guess they played like the auditorium and they went down again. Yeah. But you saw you saw the whole arc. Yeah. Yeah. I like I like playing smaller venues because it's harder to play smaller venues. It's a lot more challenging. And I know me finding a seat during COVID, I have to get there an hour early. Sometimes. Yeah. It's it's a lot more challenging to to play to a smaller group of people than it is to play to a huge crowd of people because you have to really pay attention to everybody there. You have to pay attention to what you say, what you say, what you, you know, you, you really have to pull, you have to lay it on thick and give them a show. Right. Right. And my, Here's here's a great example. Shamikia Copeland, when Rochester International Jazz Festival, first year, she came to town. She played at Montage when it was still the, the jazz fest. I mean, the, the jazz club. There were maybe 40 of us in that room. And she came to every single table and sang to every single one of us personally. And that's the type of spirit that I like. I, I like doing that. Like, Copacabana style stuff where you can be able to like give people that attention that they 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 really want. Just don't you do. Can... I have a, I have the one thing that bothers me in concerts. I hate when artists try to stand on a table because I'm always afraid they're gonna fall. Oh, <laughs> I, the, the flesh tones, the flesh tones do, do it every time I've seen them. Like one of these times, you're gonna take a tumble. But what I like doing too is like I've seen like Michaela go to upstate New York or like Fox 45, I'll go travel or I used to back in the day and seeing reactions of people. And I'm like, I know these people. I see this all the time. And seeing how people get off on seeing them for the first time is awesome. 
You yeah. know, you but, feel like you feel special because you're like, ha, ah, I know this person. You'll be surprised. Surprise, surprise, well, maybe, surprise. Maybe she'll get signed to a big label and make it big. And, and you know, uh, thanks to Rob, we, we knew her when. She's so... Yeah. And hopefully, I'm hoping and, and for Adriana too. All like you guys that. that are still doing it. Yeah, uh, maybe would you guys? So would you, you like to come back? Or... Come back sometime. You have a second part. You're all rolling. We could just yeah, we can't yeah, go yeah. for three hours. People yeah. will get bored even if it's good. <laughs> and, yeah, and yeah. Rob, Rob, I don't know if you've asked him yet, but I think maybe you might want to have get Bruce Pilato on your podcast. Oh, he's, he's been on. He's been on. Oh, I missed it then. Oh, you guys had, it's uh, Rock and Roll Hall of Fame one. He's on that one, but we'll get him again. So yeah. is it true there's a Dell Rivers show coming out? Uh, well, yeah, Monday, Dell's coming on. Mm-hmm. Oh, my goodness. Oh. You know who else you should get up on here is Heidi Alcott. Oh, if she ever yeah. if she's up, we could Zoom, obviously. We have to get Ariel on. Yeah. And in line right now. <laughs> uh, Falcon Fairy Moondrops. Um, That's right. And that's my sis. That's she's my space sister. Yes, and, and she's benefited a lot from singing with you. Oh my God, I love her. I she's the first. She uh, definitely took what I taught her and used it to her best. Absolutely, I'm so proud of her. I'm so, so well, we're, the one thing, Susie. What's coming up now? I know you've been putting out new tracks and everything else, and we'll try to wrap up now a little, and we'll just. Uh, we, we are doing we are doing every the first friday of every month we're we're putting out a new single so we're writing new music all the time i see it and uh we're playing on the 15th at photo city music hall which i'll post because this might not be out by then but i know i'm going to be there and we're going to be playing with full passenger then we're playing you know god willing goddess willing with the weather um over at on september oh my god really really uh july 24th at house of guitars from one to three here's hoping and and their their outdoor pavilion susie is that the outdoor pavilion and for you two are you doing anything like more stand probably because chaz i don't know if you're doing as much well you know uh big ditch is planning to do some recording uh this summer uh, I heard of, they ditched doing that a couple years ago. I uh, no pun intended. My show, I could do the stupid. <laughs> right there, buddy. We're going to take care before. of that, if you know what I mean. <laughs> so you're doing you some throat recording. cancer again. now? Yeah. Uh, how you doing there, Charles? Yeah, he's holding the thing up to his throat. Hey, uh. hey kids, you don't smoke. Um, <laughs> the, uh, no, we're, you know, a lot of it's predicated on availability of uh, Jack Schaefer. Um, you know, you know, he's uh, making the bagels, and he's lately he's been working every other uh, uh, Sunday at ba- at Bagelland in Brighton. Um, that's owned by his family. So, um, yeah, and then also still pending is um, Lotus STP coming out uh, with via Mal Thursday. Uh, we're going to do like a best of compilation. I think tentatively it's called Pick Your Own Pickle. Um, <laughs> goes back to uh, the old days when I had bootlegs or unofficial releases and this uh, tape that we call Soak This Tape in Brine. Kim Drahan did that for his little, you'd stick your hand in his little pumpkin, get a gift. He gave me like a bootleg CD, which is cool. Yeah, you know what? You'll have to have us back because we, we, we will talk about uh, 
we can talk about giving out prizes at like the Bubba album and all this stuff. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. Away. Bubba. So uh, anyway. Anyway, Stan, maybe we might have something on the end here from the quiz at the ferrets. Maybe or maybe not or. Oh oh yeah. Let, let me see if I can uh, pull that up. So hang on a second. Once again, it's a maybe. We don't promise, but you never know. Yeah. But, all right. So we finally got the Del Rivers song. <laughs> yeah. No, I, yeah. Oh my goodness gracious! Yeah, Del, good old Del. Let me see if I can pull this up. We love Del. Del's great. Oh, he was interesting. No, that that was that was. I, great. I, I, I heard I, you like the song well, too. Well, I heard you like the song. The song was great. Yeah. I haven't heard it yet. Actually, I got to hear it tomorrow. So also shout out to. Uh, I think Stan might have gotten this stuff from our friend, uh, RIT videographer, Russ Lund, who yeah. uh, is okay, let's a low-on-the-radar low guy who's uh, another. Yeah. Hey, look at that. Oh, my God. Oh, my gosh. Look who is, who is that handsome young man? I look like a cat <laughs> just got pulled out of the birdbath. <laughs> you hear yeah, it? It's Russ Lund. Shout out to Russ Lund. <laughs> this is a unreleased high budget video with like super, oh yeah uh, this guy's a teen idol yeah Honestly, yeah yeah think about any early video on mtv it's not any the quality exactly. is not any any better or worse than most it's sure it's blinding a little bit <laughs> oh man thank you stan and thank you russ lund holy shit that's great you were in lipstick i i i'd do myself <laughs> so would I. There you go. You can swear on this show. It's cool. <laughs> oh my goodness, Stan! You, 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 you've blown my mind. Holy shit! So we need to we need to give you know the whole Russ Lund thing is a whole other conversation too because he's like the unsung archivist of a lot of this stuff, including new math and personal effects. And he's um, not financed the archives for this himself, and uh, he could use some publicity too. So oh, we'll, we'll talk and we'll set up part that two. Guy on too. We'll have yeah. some surprise guests. We'll have, but everybody, I'll we'll go listen to a whole lot of shaking now, and then I'm going to go to the box yeah. shop here some uh, jazz drumming. So uh, thanks uh, everybody for coming on, and we'll see you soon. And walkers and rapiers at the at the little. Speaking, of, you mentioned the little earlier. Thanks, comrades. It was, a, it was a small mention. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, thanks, thanks, everybody. Night. Bye, Shirley. Thank you. Thank you. All right, take care. Love you.